Good morning, everyone. This is Austin Jardine. Welcome to the Vanguard Project. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you that don't know uh, what this project is all about, uh, we're out here talking to people who are making the most of life. My hope is that in sharing their stories uh, and their passions will motivate you to get up and get after yours or maybe try find, or try and find something new as well. With me today is someone who, uh, if you've ever tried fixing your own gun or needed a resource to explain something, uh, you've probably seen. His name is Mr. Caleb Savant, a.k.a. the gunsmith over at Brownells. Caleb, man, I appreciate your time. Uh, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Well, before we get going into uh, you know all the gunsmithing stuff, do you mind just giving us an introduction of who you are and how you got into it? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I've, I'm the uh, you know if you watch any Brownells videos at all, or if you've ever seen anything on social media within like the last two years, uh, you've probably seen my face. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm the guy on the, the Brownells YouTube videos with, uh, I'm one of the primaries with Mr. Steve Alstrom. I'm sure, you know, if, if you've seen any, you've definitely seen him, you know, that face. So that's what I'm currently doing now. Uh, so, you know, working at Brownells doing that. And the main thing, like my main uh, like goal right now with Brownells is basically just educating, helping, and just teaching the firearm community, uh, in pretty much any way we can. You know, even with all the restrictions on YouTube and everything currently, we're uh, we're still able to do that. So super fortunate with that. But uh, before I went to Brownells, I actually just celebrated my three-year anniversary at Brownells this month. And uh, but before that, I was a gunsmith in South Louisiana. I've been doing. I've been gunsmithing there since uh, 2012, I think. Yeah, 2012. Um, and before that, I was in the army for four years. And uh, you know, before that, I was just uh, just just a kid in Louisiana, man. Nice, nice. So if we could start, I guess, with your your time in the Army, what, what got you into the Army? I know, you know, from what I understand, you were a combat engineer. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Awesome. What led you down that path? So, you know, I, I, as far as, you know, joining the Army, it's kind of been something I always wanted to do. Uh, and that's I get asked that question, you know, often. And that's really the best answer I have. There's no one, you know, spark or thing like that that was like that made me that kind of pushed me into it. It was just uh, it was just one of those things. And as, uh, as far as becoming a combat engineer, um, it, first of all, the title sounded cool. <laughs> and whenever, you know, it was one of my uh, the, the offers they gave me whenever you're at, you know, at MEPS, uh, Military Enlistment Processing, um, my recruiter looked at me and gave me a thumbs up like, yeah, that's a good one. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, that's uh, that that kind of nudged me in it. And I was like, combat engineer, that sounds cool. So, yeah. And <laughs> the rest is kind of history from there. Yeah. All right. So when you, uh, when you went in and, and I guess when you retired, did you know, Oh, I need to go into gunsmithing. That's, that's what I wanted to do. No. So a little backstory with that, um, you know, being a combat engineer, uh, I was in Afghanistan doing route clearance and I got blown up a few times. I was a 50 cal gunner. And the, uh, the second time I ended up fracturing the bottom of my right femur, uh, in my knee. And, from there, you know, I kind of, I was going through the whole, you know, recovery process um, and doing that thing. So I was in the army an additional two years before I ended up getting med boarded. 
that was when you know Obama was president and he was kind of making cuts to the military. So they started, you know, pretty much, you know, trimming the fat anywhere they could. And unfortunately, you know, me being, you know, all blown up and stuff, I I didn't make the cut, but I was trying to stay in. I didn't want to get out. Uh, You know, I went to the promotion board, passed promotion board, um, was doing any school I can to just, you know, get points and kind of make myself useful and ended up going to armor school. And that is where I kind of went into gunsmithing. As a kid, you know, I was always the kid that was taking stuff apart to see how it worked. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I went to armor school. I was an armor until I got med boarded out and then, uh, I needed something that was relevant. And I was like, gunsmithing sounds cool. So I took a job on like a trial basis at, um, at Jim's firearms in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And they were like, yeah, you know, we'll try you out. The, the pay was kind of terrible because I had no gunsmithing experience. And, uh, I was basically, it was almost like a paid apprenticeship. And it was like, we'll try you out. You know, if you do good, you know, we'll bump your pay up to this much and in this amount of months. And they ended up bunching, bumping my pay up much sooner, um, fortunately, because I, I was doing pretty well at it. And I uh, just uh, from that moment, I found out this is something I'm good at. I want to pursue this. And uh, I just started pretty much reading every gunsmith book I could get my hands on. <laughs> yeah. What about it was was most exciting to you? I guess, I guess maybe even going back into when you first started in the armor school in the army, what, what was the spark for you? You know, I, I don't really know. I, I guess, you know, whenever you're, I, I was, I was always mechanically inclined as a kid and everything. And it was just one of those things that I just got, you know, like if, when someone's like, if you were to talk to me now about a, a gun that I've worked on, I can basically kind of take it apart in my mind and just kind of, diagnose it that way and it was just it was it was I guess it was just the understanding of it that made me feel really comfortable with it and being comfortable with it kind of led me to and I mean guns are super cool uh so so that's another big aspect to it and um yeah it just kind of just kept pulling me towards it so it's something I stuck with and um fortunately I'm today I'm definitely glad I did yeah no joke did you ever feel uncomfortable around the guns at all i mean when you first started working on one that maybe you'd never seen before you're like ah little leery of it oh yeah man i got stumped a lot so like civilian firearms are way more complicated than military firearms in most cases yeah Uh, making something that's you know there's in many cases there's a there's a lot more parts um i remember like my rite of passage as far as like them like the, the gunsmiths I was working with, like finally letting me do some stuff on my own was whenever I mastered the Browning, the old Browning Auto 5. Okay. Because there's so many parts in that thing and you kind of, you have to go in order. You have to kind of know what you're doing when you're inside that gun. And that was one of the ones they would, they would kind of mess with me a lot about. And yeah, that, that, the first time I worked on one of those, I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. How, yeah. how did you, uh, how did you convince them to let, uh, let you be an apprentice? I feel like, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of gunsmiths are very picky. It was just you know it was the right place at the right time. I was uh, so there was there was an older gunsmith that was working there that pretty much hates everybody. Your your typical <laughs> old grumpy gunsmith. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my boss at the time, uh, his name's Scott Dewey. He actually works at Lipsy's now, and um, he 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 was he was a super cool guy, super nice guy. And you know they just needed they just needed help because the guy I was replacing was leaving. He was going to another gunsmith shop um, down the road called Renerson's Gunsmith Service, which we'll, we'll go back to that name here in a little bit because it's relevant. So, 
you know, he went, he went there, I was replacing him. So I, he kind of trained me a little bit, you know, for the, for his last week left. And um, yeah, I was just at the right place at the right time. If I would have went in there and was like, um, I, I didn't even go in looking for a gunsmith job. I was just going in for like a, any gun job. It was a, it was a gun store. It was a retail store and they had a gun, a large gunsmithing department. And I went in, I went in there originally cause they were hiring um, gun counter salesmen. And uh, they were like, oh, you know, you have a little bit of armor experience. We, we might try you in the gunsmithing shop. And I was like, that sounds way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then leading up to that point too, was the only experience you had uh, uh, the armor school out of the army? Or did you pursue any other certifications or classes or anything? No, uh, not until recently, actually. I got a letter uh, from the, the VA and they were like, hey, your GI bill is going to expire if you don't use it. Okay. And I was like, man, I'm working full time. I don't want to, I don't plan on doing anything else. So I need to use my GI bill. And um, a friend of mine had gone to Sonoran Desert Institute, which is a gunsmithing school, uh, online gunsmithing school. So I was like, I'll do one of those. Cause you know, you, you get paid by the government to go to school. I was like, I, I, I'm a traditionally trained gunsmith. I don't have any official certifications. And I was like, I might as well just, you know, get one of those. I got a little bit of extra time. I'd be you know, stupid just to let my GI bill go to waste. Um, so recently as in like, <laughs> I have been gunsmithing all this time. And like a year ago, I, I signed up for some Northern desert Institute. <laughs> uh, so, and like my, it's funny. Cause like the instructors from my class, like my instructors are like, Hey, aren't you, <laughs> I know you from, from somewhere. Aren't, don't you already do this? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's me. But they're, they're super cool. I, I like, I didn't tell any of them. I'm like, I, I, cause I, that seems weird. I, that seems like that's like me being a jerk. Like, Oh, by the way, I'm this guy taking your class. I didn't tell anybody anything. I just kind of like tried to fly under the radar. Yeah. But they're like, oh, wait, nope. We know. And like, because so, like for some schoolwork, you have to submit video submissions. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're like, copy paste. I've already done it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, are you why, like, why are you here? But uh, no, I, so I thought that was just kind of funny. Um, but they're, they're super cool about it. And it's a really good program. So you know, yeah. anybody getting into gunsmithing, definitely. If you if you don't have time to go to like a physical gunsmith school, um, then Sonoran Desert Institute is definitely the way to go. Okay. So are there different tracks for gunsmiths? So you say you're traditionally trained, which I'm assuming yeah. is very hands-on. Is there a, is there a different track where it's like, to your point, right? Like, Hey, I don't have time, but I want to get into it. I, I take online classes. Yeah. So, you know, you can do like the online classes like Sonora Desert Institute and they help, you know, they help with job finding as well, um, which is awesome. And then there's the gunsmithing schools, which I've, you know, I've taught at several gunsmiths. I've taught at a uh, Pennsylvania gunsmith school. I've taught some, uh, and these are, I say taught, I've taught guest classes through Brownells. Yeah. Um, so like we Brownells travels and teaches these guest classes. So I've taught, um, at Pennsylvania gunsmith school and, uh, uh, MSC Murray state college. Um, and you know, those are actual like in you walk into the college it's like a physical building you have instructors you have blades and mills they teach you everything it's an actual you know uh, it, that's way more hands-on i would say that's if you have the time that's definitely the way to go um and online programs you know you get out of it what you put into it so it's it's one of those things but um but yeah so you know traditionally trained me that was me um working under other gunsmiths and it was one of those things like, cause the gunsmithing industry itself, um, it can be pretty competitive, but there's enough, there's, there's enough business out there for everybody. 
And a lot that's where a lot of new gunsmiths kind of mess up is they try and make enemies of the already established gunsmiths. And it's like, dude, there's so like I was gunsmithing in Baton Rouge. There's so much business to be had in Baton Rouge. And these new gunsmiths would pop up and just like they 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 wanted to basically like you know trash talk you and stuff like that just to kind of get your business and you're like no man let's there's plenty of business let me help you yeah nobody's and, uh, going that, anywhere that was, yeah i i know man it's like i have a i have almost a six month ba- month backlog of work uh i you know like you're trying to get us like let me help you um and it's just, it's just one of those things, you know, like all the other, I was, I, every time I met a new gunsmith, I was trying to be friends with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of the, I, I think that's what you need to do regardless of where you are, uh, because you're, you're not going to know everything. You're not going to be proficient in everything. So at the end of the day, you can throw each other business. Yeah. So do you feel like, um, do you feel like uh, established gunsmiths are quite friendly with each other and that it, it's just the up and comers that feel like they have to prove themselves? Is that, is that kind of what I'm, what I'm hearing? You know, it, it, for the most part, I would say yes, but there are definitely established gunsmiths that basically try and lock up all their secrets. Um, and I'm, I, I'm definitely not that guy. Like if you want to know how to do something and you're a new gunsmith, I will take time out of my day to show you how to do it. I think it's important that we spread as much gunsmithing knowledge around. Um, but to answer your question, no, you can still run in for the most part. Yes, but you can definitely still run into the established gunsmith that just basically uh, doesn't want anyone else to be successful for whatever reason. Yeah. I, everybody. I, I think that's in every industry though. That's fair. That's very fair. Okay. So then, you know, working as an, as an apprentice, becoming a fully, fully fledged gunsmith, how did you, what was that transition into Brownells? I mean, was there, intermediary steps that got you there so yeah um so remember i talked about the guy i was replacing he went to work for renerson's gunsmith service yep i ended up two years later going there to replace him again (laughs) you're a shadow yeah so it was kind of weird i didn't know i would be replacing him at the time because i like i knew that the that that company was hiring um and they were doing different work it was they they were you know it was no more it, it was no longer just kind of baton rouge it was nationwide i want to say okay um because they were doing a lot of warranty work for browning winchester uh remington all the, the freedom group and the hostel group stuff as as well as just general gunsmithing and uh so i was like okay cool you know i'm gonna they have an opening i'm just gonna at least talk to them you know i don't want to let that slip away. And, um, I ended up going there and then I ended up getting the job and I went in to, uh, to train under the guy I was replacing. And it was the same guy, (laughs) Tom Sheeby, super cool guy. Um, and I joked with him. I was like, all right, man, I'll see you in another two years, wherever you're going. Uh, I'm just going to follow you around forever, forever. But now he, um, he ended up going to work at another gunsmith shop that, that I never went to. So uh, we, we ended up splitting paths there, but no, it was, um, there, there was really, and, and as far as like me transitioning from the, I guess, apprenticeship to gunsmith, there was really no line. It just kind of like I blinked and then I was, you know, kind of just a gunsmith. It, I, <laughs> I, there's no definitive moment where I was like, Oh, now I got it. It was just, you know, one day I just, realize I was doing stuff without anyone's help or, or, you know, and it was one of those things like, 
the uh, the old gunsmith that I was telling you about that kind of hated everybody, you know, your typical, he, for some reason, like he hated everybody, but he liked me. I don't know what it was, I guess, because like I, I approached everything where I kind of like wanting to learn. And I think that 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 kind of really got his attention, like oh, this, you know, he's not one of those, you know, cocky. Know it yeah. Yeah. And um, did you so, find like he was the best resource for a lot of things or did you draw on a lot of other like books and videos and other resources to to answer those questions? Oh, yeah. I drew from everywhere. Like he was a super good resource. Um, my boss at Renerson's Gunsmith Service, uh, he was an awesome machinist. I learned so much from like the lathe and like watching him use a lathe and a mill was like mind blowing. I learned a lot from him as far as machining goes. Um, and then, you know, the the first gunsmith I, I worked with, he he had a lot of older gunsmithing friends um, around all over the state. And um, I would go with him to meet them. And I would pick up a little bit from all these older gunsmiths. And that was, that was huge. Like they they had so much, not like they would give me a bunch of old books you can't even get anymore. And it was just, it was insane. So that was super helpful. Okay. Uh, throughout that time too, were you specializing in anything? I mean, I, I know I, I've put together ARs and I bolted, you know, my barrel on my, my bolt action. And that's literally the extent of my, my gunsmithing knowledge. So I don't know, are there different tracks that you can go down? Like, Oh, I want to specialize in lathe work and mill and this other thing. Yeah. I mean, you, you can go, you can specialize in pretty much anything. I did not. I, uh, since uh, pretty much all the shops I worked at before coming to Brownells did a lot of general repair. So I tried to specialize in general repair, like I, a little, so I knew a little bit about everything. I didn't know everything about one particular thing. And, you know, and there are people out there that are pistol smiths. They know way more about handguns than working on handguns than I do. You know, there are people out there that, you know, specialize in building precision bolt action rifles. They, again, they know more about that stuff than I do. I can build, I can build pistols and I can build bolt action rifles but they can probably do it a lot faster than I can. And that they know some tips and tricks and have more experience in those areas. But at the same time, they can't, they probably can't diagnose and repair something of an off the wall gun like I can too. So uh, that's, I would say, you know, my, my specialty is in general repairs and uh, just knowing a little bit about everything. Okay. Awesome. That's sweet. So I didn't mean to detract you from your story. Oh, Sorry. I got yeah. squirrel moment. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. But yeah, and then so I, I stayed at Renerson's Gunsmith Service for about another another two years. And um, my old boss at Jim's Firearms, the first place I worked at, he ended up leaving and going to Lipsy's and they had a job op- opening for their gunsmith shop manager. And at Renerson's, I had gotten um, I ended up getting promoted to a working shop foreman. So I was running. I was I was the guy in charge of their gunsmith department already. And um, it it just kind of felt like the right move to go back there. Um, it paid a little bit better, not a ton better, but a little bit better. And I decided to do that. And it was the right move. I don't like, I don't know why I decided to do that, but there was that, uh, there was the big flood in South Louisiana in 2016 and Renerson's gunsmith service ended up going under. Uh, they, they were underwater and they were in an area. They, they did not have flood insurance. So they lost everything. And if I would have still been working there, I wouldn't have been out of a job. 
and yeah. that's super it's super weird um and, and like they they I, I say they lost everything they don't have a gunsmith department anymore um but they were importing a lot of stuff from south africa like knives you know mammoth ivory and stuff like that and and so they're still doing that now but all their guns their gunsmithing department's gone that that no longer exists so it was weird that i made that move at that time and, and like you can make a movie about like me becoming a gunsmith because it's literally just like the right place at the right time on everything. And uh, even with like moving to Brownells, it, that's another one, just the right place at the right time. Like I, there's no doubt, I, you know, at a different time, I would have still got the job at Brownells, but I probably wouldn't be working in the video studio okay. uh, tr- uh, doing that because again, that was another thing that was just like right place at the right time. And it's just kind of weird. Um, but, you know, and like my journey as a gunsmith is kind of based off of, you know, if you if, if anyone's ever seen a video or a picture with me in it, you will. The first thing you'll notice is, dang, that guy's got some nice hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's like one of the things that I didn't intend that for that to be like my my brand, I guess you can say. But I it did. And. I don't know, because I guess like w- what I was trying to do to set myself apart from other gunsmiths is like when you when you hear or think of gunsmith, especially in South Louisiana, you think of like you're, you're this like the same thing you think when you think like mechanic in South Louisiana, this like bearded, dirty dude that's just like. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to be like the super classy guy. I'm going to Dapper Dan. Yeah, like the I, so my nickname that a customer ended up giving me was the dapper gunsmith like oh <laughs> hey uh you can i need to talk to the dapper gunsmith and then like everyone thought that was everyone i worked with thought that was hilarious so everyone started calling me the dapper gunsmith and uh that was kind of what i was known as for a while until i came to brownells okay um, but yeah so it's just it's just one of those things and you know i think for for anyone it's just kind of figuring out what your particular brand is and how you kind of want to brand you i know it sounds kind of cheesy but you, you have to have something to set you apart from everybody else. And that was kind of the thing for me. Okay. And is that how you landed in the, uh, the studio at Brownells was the, uh, the yeah. really the dapper gun. That's what did it. Yeah. They, so they were like, yeah, it, he, he has the appearance, you know, we're going to do some trial videos with him. It's like, okay, you know, he's pretty smart. And if I like, if I go back and watch like the first videos I did at Brownells, I'm like, you sound ridiculous. Like you need to relax. <laughs> Because I was like, I had never been on camera. Well, I had, I had been on camera before, but like never in that capacity. And it was like, uh, so I'm, I'm like Robo, Robo Caleb in these videos, um, which if you watch, if you like, I went back and I watched the first video I did at Brownells and then I compared it to like the one we did recently. And like my like chillness, I guess you can say has come so far. Like I, we literally posted a video today where I was talking about an AR wrench and then joking around and making fun of people that drink Bush light. And it's like, I would have never done that at like, the first video I did, nor would they have posted me doing that. So it's yeah. kind of weird. That's awesome. So did you, uh, did you approach Brownells or were, or did they hear you through the grapevine? And they're like, Oh, we need, you know, this guy to come in and be the face of Brown or be a face of Brownells. No, not at all. They had no idea who I was. Okay. Um, I was just, I was just another gunsmith applying for a job. And uh, so I applied for the job 
like I think it was on uh, I don't one of those job finder apps, um, and I was like, oh, Brownells, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to I didn't I was trying to move from Baton Rouge. You know, I have a wife and three kids. I didn't want to be in Baton Rouge anymore. And we were like, all right, we need to move. So I started looking for other jobs. Um, Brownells was one that I applied for. Got a call back. They, um, after talking with them, like through some preliminary, like phone interviews, they were super interested. So I was like, okay, awesome. I'm making a good impression. So they flew me up for an in-person interview. And I, I guess like most people show up and like whatever, they don't care about what they're wearing, but I went out and I bought this sports coat. I bought this like yellow Brownells color tie. I was like, oh yeah, that, that has Brownells written <laughs> all over it. So I am full dap. Like they've never seen me before. So I'm full dapper gunsmith going in there. And, uh, the, the guy hiring me was my boss. He's like, uh, I, he's, he was like in a t-shirt and he like, cause he was working, he was volunteered to work in the warehouse that day. Cause they were behind. And, uh, he was apologizing the whole time. about being <laughs> like, like, man, you got to stop, man. It's, it's, it's cool. Like if you got it, like, I'll go change it to a t-shirt. Like what? <laughs> um, and then, you know, they brought in their senior gun techs to interview with me. And, uh, I was just like, you know, you, have you ever been in an interview and when you're in the interview, you're just like, man, I am crushing this interview. Yeah. yeah. That's what it was like. I was like, I'm freaking nailing it. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that that's I uh, got a call back a few days later and um, they they offered me the job. And then I was like, no, that's that's what I'm making right now. I can't move my whole family for that price. And um, they were like, well, let us call you back. So they called me back and then they made me another offer. And I was like, yep, on my way. <laughs> we'll see and, you tomorrow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So they, they paid for, they paid for me to like move all my stuff. I have a wife and three kids. I have a ton of stuff. Yep. So they paid for that, which was awesome. Um, and yeah, so that's how I got to Brown house, man. That's, you could make a movie out of that. They should make (laughs) a movie out of that. So throughout this whole time, were you ever, you know, questioning whether or not gunsmithing was something you wanted to do? Did you ever hit a lull and you're like, I don't know how I feel about this anymore. Yeah, there, there were moments where I'm just like, you know, I've, I did some, some projects that didn't come out the way I wanted, or I've dealt with some customers that were just, you know, if I were to deal with them again, I'd, you know, me being younger than not knowing, um, you know, they, they just kind of like destroyed my morale, but me, you know, knowing what I know now, I should have never even, you know, listened to them because they were just, I mean, every industry has this as well. You know, you have customers that are just angry to be angry. Right. No, it would not necessarily anything I did wrong. Um, They it's just the type of person that's never satisfied. And I kind of let that get me down more than I should have. Okay. Uh, And you know, really that's, that's the only moments. Yeah. How did you, how did you handle that? I mean, I imagine there's folks, I'm hoping that there's folks that listen and are like, Oh, I've been there. You know, how, how was it that, how did you get through those moments where you're dealing with somebody that, that got you down? Yeah. For every loss you take, um, you just got to go back and remember all the wins. Like I had a ton of wins before that loss. I don't know why I let something so insignificant get me down, but you can't focus on that and you got to keep moving forward. And um, you know, for, if you, if you have, you know, 10 wins for every one loss, what does it even matter? Just keep, keep getting better. Keep doing it. Yeah. 
That's a good point. So if uh, let's say there's a, somebody that's working on becoming a gunsmith too, um, you know, they can't quite set the, themselves apart with the, the dapper, the dapper gunsmith look, right? What, what are some things, you know, I don't know if you've been through the hiring process and bringing on a gunsmith. What are things that you would say, Hey, this is a valuable skill for you to go learn or become proficient at that would set you apart. If you were to recommend it to somebody. The best skill any gunsmith can have is is the, their learning skill like don't like the the day you stop learning uh, like I know, uh, one of the the older gunsmiths told me like the day you stop learning anything or the day you stop learning anything about gunsmithing you're probably no longer a gunsmith there's always something else to learn um so you know the ability to learn is probably the best ability for a gunsmith to have okay that's good life advice too it really is it was <laughs> it, i mean it's phenomenal how about how about the most off the wall gun you've worked on? The most off the wall gun I've mm-hmm. worked on. And off the wall, so, I'm thinking like random gun, odd. Yeah. So one time, this guy brought in like this pair of these um, Persian cavalry pistols. Okay. That he they were having some 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 issues with the locking mechanism, which isn't that complicated. So it's super easy to fix, but it was just so. Like, where did you get Persian dueling pistols? Like, these, these are, like, like, where did this even come from? You're like, they should probably be in a glass case somewhere. They should and, have definitely it, been in a, yeah, it was so weird, but, you know, and that's not even, like, the coolest guns I've touched. Like, that's, I've touched guns that, you know, can pay off my house, like, 10 times over, and it's, yeah. like, mind blowing. Like, last week, I went to Rock Island Auctions. Okay. Um, where, you know, if you've seen any of for- Forgotten Weapon videos with Ian McCollum, he does a lot of stuff there. Um, they have some extremely rare firearms. And, like, I, me, like, back, you know, it, me 10 years ago, I was like, oh, German MG42, you know, belt-fed machine gun of World War II, you know, Hitler's buzzsaw. That's, like, super cool, super rare gun. You go to Rock Island, they got, like, four of them there at any given time. <laughs> Like that, that changed my mind of what rare is. Um, so it, and the stuff they have there is insane. I've, I've had the opportunity to hold some really cool pieces of history um, because of my career. And as a history nerd, that's huge for me. Yeah. What has been the most historical piece you've been able to play with and play with is uh, used loosely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, last week I was messing with uh, Alexander Hamilton's pistols. So that's pretty cool. Um, Bat Masterson uh, used to used to roll with Wyatt Earp back in the day. Um, I there's a picture of me on Facebook and Instagram, like shooting his gun, like pretending to shoot his gun from the hip. So that that's that's probably the highlight of uh, my my gun stuff recently, because that was just a, that's a super cool gun. That is cool. Did you feel like you could shoot better with it? Or you I, like- you know, if it, if they would have let me shoot it, I I probably would have uh, that probably would have been the best gun I ever shot with. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, the Sandlot with the sneakers. They're Nikes. They make me run faster. <laughs> it's Bat Masterson's gun. It makes you shoot better. <laughs> oh man. Oh, all right, man. Um, I would be remiss then to ask you what is your if I didn't ask you what is your favorite gun to work on. One that comes in, you're like, uh, that's mine. Dibs, I want it. 
So, yeah, I, uh, I get to ask this question a lot. And I think mm-hmm. the question or the answer catches a lot of people off guard. Um, because I will say just old 22s. I like old 22s. I don't like, it's not really about, I don't know what it is. It's just weird. Like if I had the, if I walk into a pawn shop and they have an old 22, like this old beat up 22 that nobody wants, I'm the guy that buys that crap. (laughs) It's, it's weird, man. I like, I like taking those old 22s there. They should, it's, you know, they, they should probably be in a garbage can and bring them back from the dead. I have this old Mossberg 151. It's a, an old, you know, Mossberg target rifle. And some guy, uh, another gunsmith gave it to me because he was like, oh, you know, I was going to I was going to trash this, but it's some work. You can have it. And I was like, awesome. And it looks better now than it did when it came from the factory. It's a super cool piece. And uh, I just I, just taking stuff that's, you know, almost dead and bringing it back to life is, um, it doesn't even necessarily have to be old 22s, but old 22s for some reason, I just love, yeah. but pretty much anything I can just bring back to life, um, is, is on that list. Is there like a, a signature type of refinishing that you'll do to it or, or revitalization that you bring for it? So I like to do a matte blue finish on the steel, nice and easy, super easy to do. And then a hand rubbed oil finish on the stock. Not necessarily a high sheen, uh, but more like a semi-gloss, I guess I would I would say. Okay. And the like a good piece of like walnut that's has a hand rubbed oil finish against that matte blue for some reason just yeah, I just think it looks awesome. Makes you feel good. Do you uh, redo the checkering on any of it too? I think I saw recently that you were checkering something. Yeah. Oh yeah. I uh, I'll, I'll clean up the checkering for sure. I think I've ran out of my questions. Is there anything? that you're like, man, people don't ask me this all the time, but I love to answer it when they do. Yeah. So I think that would, you know, social media, I kind of, you know, people who I talk to or who message me on social media is like, Hey man, you know, if you have time, I have a quick question for you. And it's like, before I came to Brown Elves and started working in the studio doing videos, I did not have social media. I do that to help. Like the only reason my social media exists is to answer those kind of questions. Like if you go to my, like I have a wife and three kids, you know, uh, family is the most important thing to me. But if you notice you go on my social media, you don't see any of that stuff Um, because I'm not a social media guy per se, even though, you know, I'm, you know, gunsmith brand wise, I'm doing pretty good on social media. I do that to help people. Um, So if anyone has a question, do not hesitate to reach out to me on social media. Uh, that that's what I have it for. I love helping people on social. Like I, it, it, basically any way I can help spread firearm related knowledge. I love doing that. And um, I was doing some work recently with some other social media influencers, and apparently I come off as on social media as kind of uh, I guess smug. I, I guess is the the word. Okay. Because they're like, man, I didn't like. I, I knew you on social media, but like working with you in person, you're a super cool guy. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to take that, but thanks. <laughs> I, I, it's the hair. Everybody's jealous of the hair. Like, I don't know. I just kind of look like a, an a-hole. So they think I'm going to be an a-hole in person, but not like I'm super laid back. I, I'm i a funny guy. <laughs> I like to joke around. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, 
if you ever see me at like a, a show, like shot show or anything like that, uh, I'm, I, I, I want to say I'm approachable. Don't, don't hesitate. Uh, or don't hesitate to reach out on social media either. I'll definitely, definitely answer your questions. Awesome. Well, do you have any parting advice for folks that maybe want to get into gunsmithing, the army, maybe even the photography or the influencer side, anything that you've learned that you're like, here's a really good tidbit of advice to, to share with folks. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't necessarily have to, um, I would say be yourself, but apparently I'm not myself, (laughs) but there has to be, there has to be a remnants of you there. So you have to do something to make it you um, or else people aren't going to connect with it. Um, That and never assume, you know, everything be always be willing to learn. Um, It doesn't like I've learned stuff like as a gunsmith right now, being experienced as I am. I've learned stuff from people that just started, like I'm going to teach talk classes at these schools and have learned things from these students. So you were never advanced enough to learn from anyone. So always, always be open to learn something new, regardless of who you're learning it from. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cause I feel like with firearms and, you know, this is kind of me thinking out loud. You almost think like at some point, you know how everything goes bang. But that's not entirely true because things break in different ways. Things function in different environments differently. There's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of things that go into it that make each situation different. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, man. When I sent Mr. Savant the note on Instagram to see if he'd be interested in connecting and hopping on the uh, podcast, I fully admit to being a little nervous. Uh, I've watched a couple of his gunsmithing videos over time, and uh, I was really, really excited to have the chance to uh, have him hop on and share his story. So, Caleb, once again, I appreciate you the, taking the time, and I uh, look forward to uh, the feature film on how you got into Brownells. Linked in the episode description is his information, and like he said, please use his socials to uh, reach out and see if uh, you can't get connected with him and uh, poke and prod for some questions. Uh, like he said, that's what it's there for. Very similarly, right, that's exactly what this project is designed to do, right? Help grow a community, get folks connected, and uh, educate and inspire. Beyond that, everyone, please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions, suggestions, or would like to see if I can't get anyone on the podcast uh, that you might like to hear from. I will certainly do my best, so please feel free to send me an email or hit me up on Instagram. I'll send or I'll put both of those down in the description as well. Otherwise, you all have a kick-ass week, and we'll catch you next time.